Amen. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's thank the Lord. And also, I want to thank our worship team today. Come on, let's thank our worship team. Thank you so much, guys, today. I don't know about you, but I, um, I feel better after that. Do you? You know, I think it was, a, it was amazing. God just done something fresh in our lives. Isn't it, isn't it encouraging that when you just meet just for a short while in the presence of God and begin to worship him. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do in your life, isn't it? Begin to shift some things in our hearts, begin to refocus our thinking, and uh, it's amazing what drops off us. And so thank you guys, you've done an awesome job this morning. We appreciate you, thank you so much. And also everyone that came here early, setting up, we appreciate you too. Without you, we couldn't do this together. Well, we're gonna start a new series um, from today in the book of Acts. So we're going to be exploring that in different ways. And so I want to begin with chapter 1. And so let me read to you from chapter 1. And it follows this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, and after his suffering, suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven." Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that you would speak to us and Lord, we'd apply that to our hearts and then through our lives, in Jesus' name, we pray. Well, if you know anything about the book of Acts, it's a two-part series. It's like um, one of those series you watch on TV. The first part is Luke's gospel. Uh, The same writer, Luke, wrote the book of Acts. And so the first book of Luke in the gospels tells us about what Jesus did, his birth and his death. And Acts continues the story of Jesus' resurrection, his ascension, and his work continuing through the early church by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the message starts in Jerusalem, and as you continue through the book of Acts, you can see it going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, and then eventually to Rome, which are the ends of the earth, and also today we can see the gospel that is spread to almost every part of the earth. And so as you read the book of Acts, it gives us the extension 
of the kingdom of God being expanded to the commission of Jesus. And we are still part of that commission. The book of Acts didn't stop in the book of Acts. The book of Acts continues to act through the church today with the same power that was given to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. And we are to continue his mission to the ends of the earth. And wherever you leave today, the mission still applies to your home, to your workplace, or wherever God has placed you as your mission field. Interesting to know when you look at the writer, Luke was the only Gentile to write in the New Testament. Everyone else was Jews. And so also Luke was a doctor. When you read the book of Acts, you can see the activity of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders and healings. What better than for a doctor to write about the supernatural power of God operating in healing bodies, open the eyes that are blind, healing cripples, and seeing many people touched by the power of God. And so Luke wrote this to a man that was named Philosophus or Theo. I've forgot the name now. I can't even pronounce it. My brain's gone. His name means friend of God anyway. And so that's just a little bit of a, a background. But what I want to bring to you this morning, those that you are watching by live stream, is verse 3 in chapter 1. After Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to, to them, that was the apostles and the believers, and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, for us, we might just overlook that, but I want to begin to say to us that Jesus needs to, 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 to revisit their purpose about the kingdom of God. Because for the apostles and for those that believed about the Messiah coming, they thought the kingdom of God would have been established by now while Jesus was on earth and before he was crucified. Because they thought the kingdom that God was going to set up was a political kingdom and that it was going to be taken by force. And that's when you see when Peter cuts the ear off the soldier, Jesus said to him, what are you doing? You know, Jesus expect, uh, Peter expected Jesus to back him up with force. And he says, what are you doing? The kingdom of God is not going to be brought in by force, but by love. So, so I'm going to take his ear, I'm going to put it back on, and I'm going to say, Peter, put your sword away. Because the kingdom of God is not going to be established by that. The Jews thought that the kingdom of God was going to, well, that the Messiah would come and wipe out all the enemies, the Romans and all those against the Jewish people, and then set up an empire, a kingdom, which they would now rule and reign, and there would be peace in totality throughout the earth. And that was their thinking about when the Messiah would come. And it's amazing how we sometimes begin to think what God will do in our lives, and God actually thinks the opposite. And we can misunderstand what God is trying to do in our lives and our world. And, and so they thought, what well, you know, when Jesus died, they thought, that's it. What, he's not coming in force. He's not coming in power. This kingdom's not established. And Jesus comes. He returns. He, he's been raised from the dead. And then he says to the disciples, I want to talk to you about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is here right now, but it's not going to come in the way you think it is. You know, when the kingdom of God, when Jesus said about the kingdom, he's talking about the rule and reign of heaven on earth. 
He's talking about God's people manifesting God's rule and reign and presence throughout our homes, our workplaces, and everywhere we go. When Jesus healed somebody on earth, it was the kingdom of God is among you. It was the power of God from heaven coming to earth and establishing God's rule and God's reign upon earth. And so when we respond in love to people, when we forgive people, it's actually manifesting God's rule and reign on earth. It's not just about the power, but also about our character demonstrating Christ's likeness. So when Jesus says, put your sword away, he said, you know, this kind of kingdom is not going to come by force, but it's going to come by, by me laying down my life. It was operating through the spirit of love in the kingdom of God. And so when we operate in the kingdom, when we see God move in power, he's establishing what it's like in heaven and his rule and reign of what it's going to be like when it's all over. His rule and reign will not be totally finished till Jesus returns. And this is the conflict that many Christians have when we talk about healing and deliverance and fullness. And you do not, you will not get everything on this side of eternity. Did you know that? Yes, there's healing right now, but you're not, we're all not going to be healed before Jesus returns. Some of us are still going to be sick when he turns up. Some of us are still going to struggle with ailments. I guess how I know that, because if you have a theology that says when Jesus died on the cross, you have everything now, why do you still have wrinkles? Why do I still put on weight? Why am I looking in the mirror and thinking, I can't believe that was, that's you. Where's all them grey hairs? Or where is all the hairs gone? The proof that the kingdom hasn't come in its totality is that you're still doing the garden and picking out weeds. But the kingdom of God is here and we as the church are to manifest that kingdom and that presence and give hope right now of glimpses of the kingdom to come for eternity. So we still pray for the sick. We still pray for deliverance. We still believe in the supernatural. That's why Jesus said at the end of days, listen to this, because some of us have got to get our theology sorted out so we won't get disappointed. So we said, oh, well, you know, some people say God doesn't heal at all and that's totally unbiblical. And we believe that God heals today. But I do know, so being a pastor for so long, that there are just some people that will not after praying and fasting and believing and they still struggle being ill and sick and old age and all the ailments with that. And, and, it's, and I want to say to you, the kingdom will eventually come into all its fullness only when Jesus returns. So while he is tarrying, that we still try and bring the kingdom right now. That's why we pray for one another. That's why we preach the gospel, bringing hope and salvation to people. So the kingdom is here but it's not fully come. And so we still believe for all the things in heaven to be manifest on earth through our lives. In Revelation 21, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Did you know that, church? That when, you, when, when it's all over, there'll not just be a new heaven, there'll be a new earth. And I have a guess where that will meet. You know, everybody is about heavenly focus, but this is what it says. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. And there'll be no longer any sea. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem. This is the new kingdom coming down. Coming down where from? From heaven, from the heaven, from, from out of heaven, from God. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. That's the church. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now 
among the people. Listen, when earth is over and reestablished and heaven is over and established, heaven meets earth in one place where God will meet with his church forever. That's the kingdom of God established. That's when Jesus returns. And so there will be a new earth. Say amen. No, wor- no more worries about the, you know, all, all the stuff that we're talking about. No more. We'll be able to bring bottles, plastic bottles to the parties because we're not worried, worried about all the climate changes. But there will be a new heaven and the new earth. And let me just say this. Why we have to advance the kingdom is because only people that will accept Christ as their Lord and Saviour will be a part of that kingdom away from the presence of God. And so Jesus said he had to tell them about the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is within you. So it's not just about out there. It's in us. And I want to say to us that many times that Jesus has to revisit us and talk to us about the kingdom of God. He has to revisit the church and the disciples and remind them that he's alive. Can you believe that? The apostles, these amazing 12 apostles and other believers still had to be reminded and convinced that he was alive. And you have may have walked in church this morning and you've been a Christian for ages, but you need to be reminded that Jesus is still alive and well and still bringing the kingdom of God to your family, to your life, to your body, to your business, to your marriage and to your world. Because sometimes we can doubt that God even exists, even though we've given our life to him. We act as though we are unbelievers. Because these guys did lost all hope, all of them. Everyone was hiding behind doors. Everybody was downcast because they lost hope. But Jesus returned and he said, I've got to convince you that I am alive. It's so important that as followers of Christ that we know that Jesus, it wasn't just yesterday, but he is today and he is also forever, that he is still on the throne. And no matter what people say about our world and how decay it's going and all the diseases, no matter what people say about the church that we're not perfect, Jesus is still alive and he'll build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We've got to know that Jesus is still God. Jesus is still in control. And sometimes we've got to get convinced again that no matter how much our life is falling apart, He still can mend it. He can still turn it around. He is still the same miracle working God yesterday, today and forever. The same Jesus who was crucified was raised from life. And if we lose that, then our gospel, our meeting together is hopeless because everything is counts on the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus is not alive, let's all go home. Come on, I don't care how good the worship is, don't care how good the preacher is. If Jesus is not alive, then we are meeting in vain. And so we have the same mission. We have to convince, first of all, ourselves that he's alive. Then we can convince the world. But half the time, we are, we are walking wounded, thinking that God doesn't love us, God doesn't care for us. And we have to get reminded constantly about that God's for you, God loves you, God died for you. And we all need that because we all sometimes lose hope. I'm not saying that we're infallible. I know if Peter lost hope, I want to tell you that I lose hope. 
And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit will come and help us to actually understand that he is alive. And so when Jesus was raised from the dead, they tried to plot and convince people and pay people that they stole the body, that the disciples stole the body. They said to us in Matthew 28, he said, come on, I want you to do that. So the soldiers took the money and did it as they were instructed. And this story had been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. You know, it's amazing how the enemy will work to try and rob us, try and tell you that God's not interested in your situation, that God's not interested in that dead area of your life. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is alive and well. And the Apostle Paul says this, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and, you're so, and so is your faith. But the good news this morning, no matter how you've arrived at church, no matter how you are in your living room, that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and therefore we have hope. You know what? When you declare that he's alive, the enemy gets scared because he tries to make you believe he's not active in your world. He tries to make you believe that it was yesterday and not today. But I want to say the same Jesus that was raised, is raised today and still working throughout his church. No matter what you think about the church right now, Jesus is still on the throne. So what three things do we need to remind? So how many preaching to the saved today? For those that you know Jesus, because I believe some of you need to be convinced that he's still alive. Come on. Some of you need to be convinced that he's still alive. And also convinced that he's coming back again. In the same way that he's going, he's coming back. And by the way, don't try and figure out the dates. How much time do we spend on when he's coming back? When Jesus says, don't bother wasting time because only the Father knows the, tower, the time and the day. All I want you to do is be my witnesses and get on with the mission. Now, thank God for the, for the Bible teaching on the second coming. But listen... Have a few Bible studies and get on witnessing. Because you can figure all the dates out. Those people that's made dates, you know, some of these religious uh, organisations that set the dates, I want to tell you, they've made a big mistake. They've been waiting around for Jesus and he still ain't back yet. So Jesus said, never mind about when he's coming back, but you will receive power. But you have a responsibility because one day he will come back and we will all give an account before God if that doesn't wake you up, nothing will. The very fact, and I'm not quite sure if, if I were to ask you today, do you believe that? Do you actually believe that Jesus Christ is going to return? That one day we will see him and it will be all over. Shop closed. That's it. No more time. You know, in COVID, we had time to think about our life and now restart. When Jesus comes back, we have no more time. It's over. So whatever you need to change, do it now. Because I tell you, when that whistle blows, when that trumpet sounds, it's over. And then we'll be with the Lord forever. Hallelujah. We will no longer be judged for our sin, but we will give an account for what he's given us to do. And so, so I, don't, I don't look at that with fear. I just want to be serious about what God's given me to do and do it well. I'm no longer judged for my sin. And if you're here today and you're a Christian and you've accepted Jesus as your personal saviour and you've really repented of your sins, then God's forgiven you of all your sin and cleansed you of all unrighteousness. So what's the first thing that, that we need to remind ourselves 
that, that to be convinced that Jesus is alive. The first thing that we need to lean into is God's word. God's word. 1 Corinthians 15, for I, what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, listen, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. I've put on here, whose word have you walked in with today? Whose word have you walked in with today? Is your belief system according to the scriptures or to somebody else's theory? Because when we don't live by the scriptures, we can get messed up. When we don't live by the scriptures, our life goes off on tangent. But, but Paul says that our foundation of the resurrection must be in line with the scriptures. And so when you get into the word of God, it begins to give a hope because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. 2 Timothy says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to say to you, you know, when you get discouraged, when you get down, when you get doubtful, I want to tell you there is no substitute for getting into the Word of God. It's the Word of God that will bring faith into your heart. It's not pastors your first call. It's the Bible. And so if you only read in the Bible 10 minutes a week, you're, you're going to be running on empty. So you've got to get the Word of God in you and let it dwell in you richly. Because I tell you, when you start to move away from the Scriptures, your life, your spiritual life, will begin to be powerless. So we need the Word of God to be so in us. Let me tell you the journey of the two disciples on the way from Jerusalem when Jesus died in Luke 24, verse 13 to 32. It says, That same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were, they were talking to each other and walking that everything had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them. I want to say to you, isn't it amazing that when Jesus was, was, was ascend, raised from the dead and he wanted to let people know about his resurrection, he, he still wanted to walk with two. He just didn't want the big auditoriums to get as many people to know about it. He was still willing to walk among two that were disappointed. So if you've come in today and you are feeling a bit lonely and nobody helping you, I want to tell you, Jesus won't be far away from your shoulder, walking with you, wanting to help you and develop you. And so as he walked with them, and he says, but they were kept from recognising. I wonder why that we sometimes... I can't recognise God in situations. This will tell us why. And then Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along as if he didn't know? Do you know, do you know when we're going through a tough time, this is how God works with us. He just doesn't give you the answer. Do you know that? Because he wants to get out of you what's bothering you. It's called a relationship. See, God isn't just a quick fix. Think, okay, I'll just fix the issue and leave you alone. No, God wants to walk with us and help us to get out of our system what's our problem so we can help you manage it because God's a relational God. He's more interested in the process in you than just fixing you. 
God's more interested in walking with you on your journey and helping you get to know you so you can get to know him. He says, so what are you discussing together? They, still, they stood with their faces downcast. And they said, you know, uh, are, are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't even know about these things that's happened? What things, he said. Jesus, you, you know all things. But yeah, but God wants to get out of them what's bothering them. He wants them to talk to him. He wants them to cast their cares on to him. And that's what we need to learn to do as we walk with God. So Jesus walks along and says, okay, what, what are you talking about? What things? As if he didn't know. I know because you're talking about me and I could spoil your conversation by telling you that you're thick and I'm here in front of you, but I want to help you develop this issue out of your life what things he asked and they said about Jesus he was a prophet a powerful word indeed but the chief priests and rulers have handed him over and sentenced him to death oh by the way and other people have told us that he's alive but you know we're walking away from Jerusalem and we're downcast and we're not sure about it and Jesus says to him how foolish are you and how slow listen to me and how slow are you to believe all the prophets and the scriptures all the prophets that have spoken. How slow are you to forget my word in your life? How, how slow are you to forget what I've already said in the word? You see, they were walking away from Jerusalem with a, with a crisis, but they was also walking away from the word. It somehow departed from them through disappointment and Jesus had to remind them. But listen, Jesus didn't just rebuke them and let them go off on their own way. Jesus rebukes them and he says to them this, and I'm, be I'm beginning with Moses and all the prophets. That's the first five books of the Old Testament and the whole of the Old Testament because that was the only testament around them, by the way. He said this, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning him. If you're feeling discouraged today, if you're feeling I don't know where God is, you've got to get into the scriptures. You've got to let Jesus help you walk. And let me tell you, this wasn't a, a, a two-minute Bible reading. This was a journey. Can you imagine that Bible study that Jesus was teaching about all that was said about him in the Old Testament, the whole lot? Can you imagine these guys thinking, wow, he knows a lot about, about Jesus and it's a journey because let me tell you something. We, we want to get up in the morning, do a little ten, five second devotion and expect God to give us everything we need for that moment. But you know, but because God wants a relationship with us, he wants us to stay there a bit longer in the word. It says that they didn't recognize him. It was only after this long Bible study Listen to this, and as you read, continue that passage, you get to reading it all, and they're about to their house now, and Jesus is about to go on his way. And they said to him, oh, please don't go. Can you spend some more time? You know what that means? The more you spend in the Word, the more you want to be around the Word. Come on. You know, the more you eat McDonald's, the more you want McDonald's. Oh, no, no, we've, had our, we, we've been full of your word, Lord. I don't want you to go. I want more of the word. Let me, the more you read it, the more you want to read it. And it's like that with sin. The more you in, encounter sin, the more you want to do more and you increase it. And it's the same with the word of God. The more you get into it, the more you want to get more into it. And then it says this. This is what they said. Their eyes were opened and they recognised him only after they sat down with him and had fellowship with him. 
Because let me tell you, God is not interested in quick fixes just to solve your problems. He wants you to develop a relationship with Him. So as the fellowship time, they sit with Him, they recognise Him. This is what they said. It says their eyes were opened and they recognised Him and he, He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning with us while He talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? There is no substitute, guys, for the Word of God. For all his promises are yes and amen. The word of God brings light to our life. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The first thing is, if we want to be convinced that Jesus is alive, the first foundation is it's in the scriptures. Everything you want to know about your Christianity has to line up with the scriptures, not with somebody else's philosophy not with somebody else's new idea, but is it founded in the Scriptures? If it's founded in the Scriptures, you have a firm foundation and faith will begin to hit your life and begin to have revelation and joy will return to our hearts. The second thing that we need in our lives if we're going to be convinced about our faith from day to day and week to week is that we need the people of God. In John 20, 19, it says, On the evening of the first day of the week, When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Listen to this. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. What what was that? Jesus showed them a part of his body. Jesus showed up and and we, the church, the people of God, when we show up, when we operate in our gifts and our faithfulness and our encouragement, you don't know what it does. It actually changes people's lives. And so I want to encourage you as the body of Christ, when we show up and we use our gifts and our abilities and our givings and our encouragement, I want to tell you, it'll convince people that he is alive. How many times have you been to a church service and somebody's encouraged you or the worship has encouraged you or the preachers encouraged you? It's because God uses his body and that's why you can't be a spectator if you're a Christian. You've got to get involved somehow, whether it's prayer, whether it's serving, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a visitation, Jesus showed up. He turned up when they was discouraged. It was a house visit and it encouraged them to believe that he was alive and we are the same today. And that's why we have to have dear churches active and involved because I tell you something, without your participation, some people will not be encouraged and continue their journey. Without us showing up today, even though for some of you it was really early and thinking, I don't know why I'm doing this. Because you showed up, somebody's going to leave today with hope and life to go on tomorrow. Just because you operated in your gift and you gave it to God, I want to tell you it can save somebody's life. I was listening to some worship last night and some of the feeds from the comments saying, I heard that song and I was about to commit suicide. And, I, and it saved my life. You do not know what happens when you show up and give your gift. You don't know the lives that can be transformed. You don't know what the lives that can be saved. You don't know how God will use you, but you've got to show up. And so thank God that we've shown up today, but we've got to be more than showing up. We've got to be saying to God, use me, help me, help me to serve you in whatever capacity that you've given because some people will need me 
so I can help them convince that he is alive. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing that. I know that COVID, um, we have to stay at home. We had to, and now we're slowly coming out. So I want to speak to you at home. If you don't have to be at home, you need to come in person. <laughs> Just an encouragement. We, we, some people need to see you. But if you don't feel safe yet, that's cool. But please, when it's right, don't stay at home just having coffee and switching the pastor off. Just come and offer your gifts to the Lord and to one another. And finally, the third thing and final thing is this, as we come to close. The third person, the Word of God, the people of God, the presence of God is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them, but you will receive power. In other words, you're not going to be able to do this thing on your own without me, by my power, my presence. The Holy Spirit, the person of God will come on you and you'll be my witnesses. But the Holy Spirit is more than a power. He's more than just enables you to be bold and to be a witness. He's one that helps you and will be with you forever, John 14. He will testify about me and make him known unto you. He will convince you that he is alive. I remember going into church, didn't know whether God existed and somebody preached about Jesus and I said, if you're real, then make yourself known to me. The Holy Spirit, which I now know, was the person that when I responded to the gospel, came alive in me and instantly I knew that God was real. That's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that convinces that he's alive. He's the one that's available to change our situations in our life. He's the one that's still bringing the kingdom right now through his church, his people. And so as I come to a close, this is where I land the message with our final song. We are still writing the book of Acts. What pages are you writing? What pages are you writing? If we were to put your book to read about what Jesus did through you and this church, what would it say about us? And I was, I was preparing this yesterday night, just finishing off. I felt the Holy Spirit, or maybe just me thinking about the message, that to ask you what page are you on? And I just had a thought that some of you are stuck on a page. And you can't begin to operate the way God wants you to because you're stuck on a page. There is things for you to do in God. There is things for you to, to operate where there'll be a new story in your book to continue the book of Acts. But some of you are stuck on a page. Some of you watching, you're stuck on a page. And these are some of the things that I wrote down that, that we're, we're stuck on. You ready? Some of the things that we're stuck on. We're stuck on, some of us have got a page and we're stuck on unbelief and doubt, just like the early church, just like all of us at times that we don't know whether, is this the right thing that we committed our lives to? Are we sure that he's alive? Unbelief and doubt, that's your page. You've come to church and that's your page and, you, and somehow that page is defining your present and your future. There is other pages, fear and failure. What, is that your page today? 
Some of you have come in and your life is just written over you. Fear and failure, that's your story, that's your page. And you just wish that could go so you could write something fresh about what God's doing in your life. Guilt and shame. Some of you walked in today and you can't get over this page that's written all over you. Guilt and shame. But God wants to remove that today from you. Is that you? Is that how you come today? Is that how you live your life? Rewriting your guilt and shame every day of your life while the enemy whispers in your ear that you'll never do anything for God and you write that all the time. That page sticks with you and you can't turn another chapter because you're stuck with this in your life. What about impossibilities? You've walked in here today and that's your page. I'll never get out of this. I'm never going to see change in this situation. This marriage is over. This relationship's over. I'm never going to get out of debt. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And you've come in with that page all over you. What about sickness? Because we want the kingdom to land today. We want the Holy Spirit to, to rewrite some of our pages today in this church and online. And he's going to do that. What about conflict and strife? Anyone walked in and that's your page today? Oh, it's conflict. You know, God wants to get involved in conflict and strife and bring his kingdom there, his peace. The first thing he said is peace to you. And some of you need a, a page of peace on your conflict. God's got so much for us to do for him, but these pages kill us. We can't, we can't breathe to write something fresh. What about unforgiveness? and bitterness. Is that your page today? Anxiousness and, and stress. Are you so anxious? You can't even think about doing anything for God. Because you don't, you, it took you all your time to get up this morning and come or to watch. Do you think your father wants you to live like that? He's got so much for you to do. What about this one? Quit and giving up. I've had enough. I've had enough of this stuff. I've had enough of life. I'm out of here. Is that, what, is that the page? What about sin and mistakes? I, when I wrote that, I loved it. If you can see it on the screen. Sin, the big I in the middle is all about me. But mistakes, isn't it great? Miss, missing the mark is sin. We miss God's standards, but he takes, takes with a capital T for the cross. He takes our sin away. And no matter how much your page is riddled with sin, let me tell you something. His blood can take it away. Isaiah says, come now, let us settle this matter. All, all those in this building, all those watching, that you know that your life is stained with sin and guilt and shame, he says, come on, let me settle this matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. In other words, God's going to remove the pages that I've re revealed today in some of our lives so you can write a new story and a new today in your life. Because I said before, they shall be white as snow. They are red as crimson. They shall be like wool. God can wipe 
all those pages that are unproductive in our life so you can write a new story, that you can write a new beginning in your life. Why? Because of his blood that was shed for us. And because of that, you have a blank page where you can write something fresh and new in your journey with God. And he can put something in like miracles and wonders and blessing and breakthrough and hope and forgiveness and peace and blessing and miracles and possibilities that God can write on your heart today and remove those things that you've come in with so you can be equipped to continue the book of Acts in your personal life. Stand with me. Because now the Holy Spirit's going to do what only He can do in your life. He's the one that can bring the kingdom right now in your heart and in your mind. And those watching on TV, the Holy Spirit can visit your home because He's not restricted to a building. So I ask you, what's on your page today? Because whatever's on your page, God can wipe it clean. By his presence. And he can give you a new Sunday start. I don't care how messed up your marriage is, he can start it afresh. I don't care how messed up your finances are, he can start it afresh. I don't care how messed up you are, he can start you afresh. Because he's still alive. He's still alive. And as we sing revival song over you, God's going to rewrite, rearrange some pages from you. And you're going to have hope. And you're going to see something fresh in your future and your present. And those things that have... Do you know, do you know something has come to mind? We've had our grandkids over this week. And little Ida... God bless her, she just learned how to draw, but not on paper all the time. And do you know something? She picked up a Sharpie and redesigned our wallpaper in red. Couldn't get it off the wall because it's a Sharpie, it's permanent. And then, and then I'm trying to wipe it off and then I looked up and she's on the, on the television, my pride and joy. And she's doing that and I'm thinking, no, I'll never get it off the TV, but it, was, it wasn't with a permanent pen. It was with a highlighter. And I'll never guess what? The highlighter was easily, easily wiped off. And I want to say to you today that the devil is a liar. And he's telling you that whatever's wrote on you is impermanent and it can't be removed. It's not true. Because everything that is on you, Christ has died for. And just as easy as I wiped off that highlight on that TV... It's just what God can do today by His Spirit in you. If you will open your heart to Him and say, Lord, come do a work in me. Come and write something new on my heart. Allow me to breathe again. Allow me to live again. Give me a brand new start today in my life because I want to rewrite the pages of my journey and my history. All over this room and on those watching me pray right now, Lord, I know that your kingdom is going to come. Holy Spirit, you're going to do some things today in people's hearts. You're going to rewrite some pages in some people's hearts today. You know what they are. You know how you've come in. But something's going to change when, we, when this song is sung over you. And we're going to pray a prayer and ask the Lord to do it. Every one of you, lift your hands to the Lord. If you say, Lord, I need, I need you to do, need you to do something fresh in me. 
I need some things arising in me. Lord Jesus, you're a miracle working God. You are alive and you are well and we don't preach in vain. And you're here by your Spirit. The same Spirit that raised you from the dead is the same Spirit that's in us and quickens our mortal bodies. Every dead thing in our lives we speak life to. Every marriage that is dying we speak life. Every body we speak life. Every financial situation we speak life. Every crisis right now, every conflict we speak life. Every spirit of fear right now we rewrite that and erase it from you. Every bit of shame and guilt Lord, we erase it right now in Jesus' name. Nothing is permanent on us from the enemy of our mistakes. Right now in Jesus' name. Father God, I pray for the heavenly, the heavenly wiper to wipe away, God, right now our hearts. Cleanse us afresh, God. Lord, remove the stains. Lord, remove the shame. Father, whatever it is, God, Lord, someone is here today of lost hope. Father, I ask you to erase that today over them in Jesus' name. There is no other name higher than Jesus. What a wonderful name. There is power in the name of Jesus. We do not come to you in our own name. We come to you in the name that is above every other name. And Father, we speak, Lord, to any enemy that's over your people and we say Lord let your people go in the name of Jesus you have no authority over any marriage or over every family over every person in Jesus name we we speak right now and we say set your people free again let them know this week I ask you Lord this week will you help them know convince them that you are alive In Jesus' name.